Hey, Vegas Nation listeners, I want to take 30 seconds to introduce you to a new podcast from the Review Journal called Critical Condition Accounts from One October. It's a five-part series sharing the powerful stories of two Las Vegas officers who responded to the scene of the One October shooting on the Las Vegas Strip. You can find this wherever you are listening to the podcast right now. Just search Critical Condition Accounts from One October or visit ReviewJournal.com backslash podcast for more information. Now on to Vegas Nation. Vegas Nation, presented by STN Sports Mobile from Station Casinos. We're trying, like I said, to uh, bring the right kind of people in here, we think, that can build a championship football team. You guys are the most loyal fans in the world, and I know it hurts that we might not be the Oakland Raiders forever, but we are still Raider Nation. I think it's going to be a, uh, you know, get an army coming into uh, Las Vegas. everyone, it's time for another episode of Vegas Nation, the podcast brought to you by STN Sports Mobile Station Casinos. Don't forget to check out VegasNation.com, get the Vegas Nation app, and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts from. Comment while you're there. We love hearing from you guys out there, and hopefully we'll hear from some of you out there as we put out some things on social media and got some feedback, so we're uh, going to talk a little bit about what some of your comments were later in the show, but for right now, let's welcome everybody to the podcast. From Oakland, we have Miles Simmons with us, who's covering the Raiders out there. We have Adam Hill in the house here in Las Vegas, who also covers the team. And I am your host, Heidi Fang. We are all back from Indianapolis, where the Raiders pulled off a huge win on the road, a very much needed win, bringing their record to two and two. The final score in Indianapolis was 31 to 24. I think a lot of people were surprised by that win, Adam. I mean, how important was it for the team to pull away with a road win to improve to two and two? Well, I think it's I think it's huge to change kind of the the attitude and the culture in the locker room of uh, where this was headed. I think everybody saw the writing on the wall that this could potentially be a one and six team after seven games. They were going to be underdogs in six straight games after winning their first. So it, it's not you know it's human nature to kind of look ahead and say, yeah, this team could be one and six. Then where are we going? We're kind of spiraling out of control. We already lost you know Antonio Brown, who we thought was going to be around here. Um, all of those things were kind of starting to pile up and starting to accumulate like a snowball rolling downhill, and all of a sudden you find a way to get this win on the road. Now, if you look deeper into it, yes, the Colts were missing probably their two best defensive players. They were missing their best offensive player by far, their biggest weapon uh, in, the, in the passing game. So, you know, there was a lot of things you could look at on the other side and say, well, you beat a team that was completely depleted, but you went on the road and got a win. That's what matters, and I think it changes that – that attitude a little bit, where all of a sudden, like before the season, and this is an outside analyst, but it's it's you know these guys hear it, they know, they they hear what the uh, people are saying about them, and everybody was saying, well, this is a team that could be looking at a very high draft pick. They could be again one and six, and then all of a sudden you have winnable games in the second half of the season. But what is it even going to matter? But all of a sudden now you say, well, if you steal one of these next you know couple of games, and you're three and four after that seven game stretch instead of one and six. Now you're looking around at an AFC where nobody's doing anything. Nobody's standing out. Like there's only, what, three teams above 500 in the entire AFC. So there's an opening there if you could start to get things going in the right direction. I still don't think this is a team that's going to challenge for a playoff spot, but all of a sudden you start looking at the season and looking at how things lay out a little bit differently. Miles, okay, so the Bears now have just arrived in London as of Friday. The Raiders have been there since Monday as we look ahead to this Week 5 matchup. How advantageous is it right now for the Raiders to be there already to kind of 
establish themselves with the time difference and all ahead of this game. Yeah, you know what, Heidi? It's so funny. I think it just depends. It's team by team basis the way this sort of works. Because so when I was working for the Rams, they went to London in two consecutive years, 2016, 2017. 2016, they went, they stayed the whole time um, of, of that week because they flew from Detroit, similar to what the Raiders just did, flying from Indianapolis over there. And they were in the hotel. They were getting their bodies acclimated. There was a clip. If you remember the all or nothing that they did on the Los Angeles. Angeles Rams in 2016 is a clip of Greg Williams saying stop taking a bleeping nap during the day right they want to be able to get the bodies acclimated and get everybody right but then the Rams went out and they played like poo and they lost so then the next year under Sean McVay they decided to stay in Jacksonville for most of the week they went there Thursday to Friday and they played extremely well and beat the Arizona Cardinals 33 to nothing now you'd look at the Raiders right they went over last year later in the week they came all the way from Oakland they didn't play well and Gruden even said this week you know this the way they're doing it this year is a direct result of the way they did it last year it didn't work for them they want to try something different every team seems to be very different when it comes to this so if it didn't work last year for the Raiders, yeah, maybe it's better for them that they go over this in, in this way. But, I mean, Matt Nagy said it on his conference call, the way they did it with the Kansas City Chiefs, when they went over there, they went over later on in the week, and it worked out for them. So, I don't know. I, I think it's a wash. Whenever you're playing so far away from home, you're playing in conditions and in a stadium that is just very unfamiliar. Sometimes it's better to come over late, but for other teams, it's better to stay there the entire week. I, I, I think, you know, just it might be a wash. I don't know. That's a very interesting point you make about the conditions in these different stadiums because they're playing on soccer pitches and the turf seems to be a lot different. Some of the players in the NFL seem to kind of struggle with the footing. Adam, what have you made with that over the years and watching these guys play? I mean, this is the first one in Tottenham uh, Stadium as opposed to Wembley. Do you think that the conditions may be slightly different or kind of the same as Wembley? I mean, I'm I'm sure it's probably pretty similar. I think the, the issue that we've seen the most over the years is it's always raining there, uh, and there's been so many weather games uh, over the the last few years too. And I remember so many times waking up for the 6 a.m. games. Which, by the way, I absolutely wish this was a 6 a.m. game and not a 10 a.m. game here uh, on the West Coast. Like I love when they do that, and you see that super early game, and you get to go down to the sports book and see uh, you know all these people that have have been there since 4:30 in the morning, getting their bets down and watching games. Like that makes it fun. Uh, but I, I just remember seeing so many of those with just rain and just gloominess and uh, awfulness. And I think that's affected the turf quite a bit throughout the years. But the the grass is just different as well. So uh, I just think you you get a different style of of playing field. And, you know, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. I think over the years people have adjusted to it. They figured out which cleats to use and all that sort of stuff. So um, I think they'll they'll figure that out. The the issue becomes if it's it's weather and the rain really seems to, to ruin the turf over there. I would say that the biggest difference between like this stadium and Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and Wembley Stadium, uh, they had Twickenham Stadium uh, before as well, which is a rugby pitch. This stadium is specifically designed for NFL football. So they have like this grass pitch, but there is a synthetic uh, turf that is under that that they use for NFL games. So that's what this stadium is designed for. And I'm really curious to see what it will be like for NFL football because of that, because they wanted NFL games specifically in that stadium. So we will see how it turns out with that. 
Right. The Raiders were supposed to play there last year, but it wasn't ready. So granted, I think they've made all the preparations that need to be for this game to happen and for it to be under the right conditions. No 80-yard fields, as long as we don't have that. I <laughs> like be, that. You like that? It was that? great, yeah. It was very cool. <laughs> it's like in MMA when they fight in smaller cages, you get more yeah. knockouts. Yeah. <laughs> more scores. Well, some people, you, y'all just want to watch the world burn. Come on. 100 <laughs> yards, it's NFL football. Well, speaking of watching uh, the world burn, we uh, saw Vontez Burfik take some very strict disciplinary measures for his hit on uh, Jack Doyle in last week's game against the Colts. He's now suspended for a year. Uh, John Gruden spoke this week, Miles, and you were most likely there for that and hearing him in person uh, talk about it, that he was saying he was a bit surprised by that. Uh, Dude, that was in London. Yeah. So, oh, right. Miles is yeah. not in London. Yeah, he's not. See, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. There. <laughs> so, Miles, um, when you hear John Gruden say about Vontas Burfik that you know he's a little bit surprised by that, I don't think you were surprised by that. But um, now we're hearing from. I saw a tweet from Ian Rappaport that the appeal for the Raiders linebacker Vontas Burfik of his suspension for the rest of the season will be on Tuesday, heard by the NFL NFLPA jointly appointed appeals officer Derek Brooks. So. Do you think this gets overturned or do you think that we see Vontez Perfect out for the rest of the year? Well, you know what is very interesting about this? Derek Brooks won a Super Bowl with John Gruden. So I don't know how much that will play into anything, but I did think it was, I mean, I, I'm not surprised to hear John Gruden say he's not happy. And he said, I mean, he made it very clear um, in his Wednesday press conference over there in London that he was not happy about the way this went down. And he said, it hurts our team a lot. Um, but I, I will say I was a little surprised by the length of the suspension. I did not think that it would be that long just based on the nature of the hit, but I think when you look at the suspension, I think we have to do we have to do this, right? They he did not suspend him for the rest of the season for that hit. They suspended him for the rest of the season for repeated violations of player safety rules, for un, repeated violations of unnecessary roughness rules. This is like when you keep telling a kid, hey, stop doing that, right? Like, you know, he keeps, uh, I don't know, this is a terrible analogy. When he keep, when a little kid keeps putting his hands in the cookie jar before dinner, you tell him five times, stop putting your hands in the cookie jar. Stop putting your hands in the cookie jar. Stop putting your hands in the cookie jar. He keeps putting his hands in the cookie jar and he wants a chocolate chip cookie. But you have to take all the cookies away now because he just won't stop doing it and he won't do what you say that he'll do. Right? He needs to do. So I think that is where the NFL is at with uh, Vontez Perfect at this point. You keep telling him, hey, you cannot play the game this way. You've suspended him for three games. You suspended him for five games. That got appealed down to three. You have fined him heavy amounts of money, nearly five hundred thousand dollars this man has been fined and that's not even including the missed game checks for these suspensions so at this point it's the if you're the nfl it's like all right we have to send a message to this guy and even if this thing gets taken down some games on an appeal because it really is an unprecedented situation this is an inherently violent game we all know this but if you continue to just violate the player safety rules, and it's one person specifically that continues to violate them, the NFL has to do something because they are trying to make an inherently violent game safer, and Vontez Burfitt keeps violating those player safety rules. With all the money that he's been you know, fined over the years, how many cookies could he buy? <laughs> A lot of cookies. Okay. 
I just want, I just want to do that, man. A ton of cookies. Five million yeah, cookies. Exactly. Well, thank, now, thank you for making fun of my bad analogy. No, I like it. It's actually, it's actually a good analogy. Um, the, I mean, the problem is, like, they've repeatedly said, I'm trying to figure out a way to keep the analogy going, but they've repeatedly basically said, okay, no cookies until 8 o'clock. Now, no cookies until 9 o'clock. And now it's like, oh, you're never getting a cookie again. And, and that's, you know... I, I think that they had to do something like that because they kept trying to to throw discipline out there, and it's like, here's three games, here's a here's a fine, here's another suspension, here's another fine. Like they're trying to find that level where it's actually going to work, and you know, in this case, they're gonna uh, just not let him play the rest of the year, and they figure that might do it, but I don't know if it will. I mean, he's never gotten the message before. I don't know if he ever will now. So now you've just got to you know, replace all the chocolate chip cookies with oatmeal cookies and then just learn that there's they're no good anymore. But, I mean, in that respect, is Vontez perfect the canary in the cookie jar? I mean, or what? is it the NFL? What's a canary in a cookie yeah, jar? Yeah, in the coal mine, you know, and they seal them up. And <laughs> you you can't mix dive. analogies. I re- yeah, I can't. I regret, because I I regret starting this now. I, I think that they're, they're giving out cookies to some people and keeping the cookies away from other people, and there's no consistency. So that's where I'm trying to get at with the canary. I mean, I, I think there's consistency in that, like, the other guys have been disciplined for you know hits and they've been in trouble for hits and we see suspend or we see fines every weekend, but it's guys that do it over and he's the only one that really is over and over and over and over again, uh, and he knew and the team knew when they signed him that this was kind of hanging over him that if he did another um, you know if he had another incident that it was going to be a long suspension I mean they knew that now the the you know the problem is as, as you said it's not for this hit and the Raiders keep arguing and it's about this hit saying like, hey, this happens all the time, and what about the fight in the Ravens game, and what about the hit last week? Well, those aren't guys that have done it 13 times and been you know, disciplined for it over the years. And so at some point, you've got to try to find something that's going to be an actual deterrent. And like I said, I don't know if this is it because I feel like if Vontez Burfitt came back for game one next year, there's a good chance he's going to do this again. That's just that's how he plays the game, and I don't think he's going to change it. Miles, do you think Vontez Burfitt ever plays another snap in the NFL? Yes, I, I do. And I think he plays another snap this year, honestly. Um, but I, like I said, I, I think he just has to adjust the way he plays. And, you know, people can talk about how it, that, that hit was not dirty. And I think I even said this on the last podcast. I thought that that hit was within the confines of a play. It wasn't like what we saw in uh, the Eagles-Packers game last Thursday, where you had guys coming in after a guy had been stopped and you're delivering an extra shot. I know Vontez Burfecht was trying to make a tackle there. But at the same time, I, I am not that old. Okay, I graduated high school in 2010, right? Oh, and when I played high school football, <laughs> I, I say this for a reason. Vontaze Perfect is not that much older than me, right? So when I graduated and when I played high school football, the thing that they always taught us was you have to hit what you see or see what you hit, I should say. So your head should be up when you're trying to make a tackle. You cannot put your head down and lead with your helmet to try to hit another player. It's not allowed. It is specifically a foul. So even if this was, you know, you talk you didn't talk about angles, you know, what is he supposed to do when he's going in to try to make a tackle and trying to make a football play? Don't lead with your head. Don't lead with your helmet. That is the inherent problem because even if he doesn't lead with, he have a helmet to helmet hit, by leading with the helmet, that is still a foul. So 
you can't just say that this is a football play. It's not anymore. They have legislated it out. So I don't, I respect Derek Carr, Tier Whitehead, when they say that Vontez Perfect has worked really hard to change and that he's been a great teammate and, you know, he knows the defense and he's been very encouraging and all these different types of things. I, I have a lot of respect for that. But at the same time, you cannot have somebody continue to violate the player safety rules like this. And whether it's intentional or not, you if you're Vontez Perfect and you have been flagged more than anybody else for these kinds of things, you've been fined more than anybody else since you've been in the league for these kinds of things, you don't have the benefit of the doubt any longer. I also do believe it'll be it'll be reduced. I think it'll be cut in half. I think it'll be six games. And just looking back at, you know, suspensions over the years, I was trying to chart some the other day. And it seems like just so often these things get reduced. Now, on-field incidents rarely get penalized for multiple games. It's happened uh, very few times, less than 10 times uh, in the league for multiple game suspensions, and three of them have been Vontaze perfect. Uh, but, like, you, you look back, the longest one was the five games that Albert Hainsworth got for – with his shoe stepping on the face of uh, Andre Grode from yeah. from from the Titans. I mean, that was so much more egregious, and that was only five games. But again, this is only about the repeated incidents over and over again. But I, I think it'll be cut down to six. It'll still be the longest suspension uh, in NFL history for an on-field incident. But uh, I think that's where you end up in this case. This episode of Vegas Nation will be right back. SDN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. Well, Miles, how do the Raiders begin to fill the shoes that Vontaze uh, Burfick leaves there? He's a team captain, after all. So uh, what do they do here at linebacker? That's yeah, tough. I mean, Tier Whitehead, I think is the guy that they're going to have they're going to have to lean on the most um, simply because he has positional flexibility he has called the defense before he was the one who stepped in and was able to do that uh, in Indianapolis last weekend and especially because they're in London I think I wrote this it's it's very hard to sign somebody when you're in London and they're in the states it's one of the reasons why I have no idea the viability of having a London team um, in the NFL that has to play people in the United States all the time. That's neither here nor there, though. Um, so when you have him, that means that you then have to adjust at outside linebacker. And so, you know, whether it is somebody like Dakota Allen, Nick Morrow, all these guys are going to have to really step up. Uh, Justin Phillips is another person that they have on their roster. It it just really complicates things when you have a team that was relying on Vontez Perfect as much as they were in order to keep the defense called. I think maybe you might see a little bit more nickel sets. Um, a, the Bears probably go out of um, three wide receiver sets more than you've seen a couple teams in the past few weeks. So that kind of helps you there because um, you're not necessarily replacing three line, uh, not necessarily replacing a linebacker uh, in those kinds of situations. But I, I think. Just from even the standpoint that he is a captain, like other captains are going to have to step up and do more things. And I think you you have to be able to weather that storm. It's next man up. It's a next man up league. And they're going to have to do it somehow. All right. Speaking of linebackers, Adam, the Raiders face one uh, that they traded away. Kind of an elite guy at the position. Khalil Mack. 
the Raiders meeting their former teammate this week. He's going to be somebody that's very hard to contain. How ready uh, at handling this task do you think Colton Miller is? He's healthy this season. He's put on some weight this season. How do you think he handles his former teammate in this coming up game? I mean, I don't know that four Colton Millers could handle Cleo Mack. It, it's <laughs> it's just it's not anything against him. I think Colton Miller has been much much improved. I like uh, a lot of what he's been doing. Uh, you know, at left tackle, it just it's it's such a tall task to block a guy like Cleo Mack who wins so many of his matchups in the pass rush. It's it's impressive. It's incredible what he does out there. Uh, but the Raiders are going to have to get help. They're going to have to you know chip, and they're going to have to help uh, whoever is lined up against Mack. And if it's Colton Miller, most of the time they're going to have to you know get a running back over there. They'll have to get a tight end to to help out before he goes out. Uh, into his route, they're going to have to do a lot of different things to try to try to handle him because not only are you going against Khalil Mack, you're going against Khalil Mack, who's very very motivated for this game. Even though uh, he said, you know, the first day he said he can't wait. He's he's got the game circled. He's been waiting for it, and then the next day he said it was just another game. So uh, I think somebody talked to him and said, hey, tone it down a little bit and uh, don't make too much of it. Uh, but certainly he's going to be out there trying to prove a point. And the Raiders are going to pay the price for that. But uh, you can also find ways to use that aggressiveness against him, I think. I think if he's a little more hyped up than normal, you can run some screens that direction. You can do, you can do some things uh, to, to frustrate him and to, to maybe use a little bit of his, um, you know, the, the, how jacked up he is for the game against him. And, and I think they'll figure out ways to do that. But uh, he's going to make plays in this game. There's just no two ways about it. You can't shut him down completely. Miles Adams said that, uh, you know, Colt Miller may need some help. Uh, where are we at with the injury of Gabe Jackson? Is he ready to return to this offensive line? Not quite. Uh, Gruden said after the bye week is when you would probably see Gabe Jackson. He was still listed as a non-participant in practice earlier in the week. So that is something that you're just going to have to deal with. Um, and unfortunately, Jordan Devy is out now for the season with a pectoral injury. So that's something that they also are going to have to replace. So Denzel Good probably still at right guard. Richie Incognito there at left guard. And uh, you'll, we'll see what happens in this game but I think you will need as much help as you can get probably from the tight ends you know in order to stop somebody like Khalil Mack also Alec Ingold fullback could probably be important in terms of just protection depending on the way they want to line it up I think the biggest injury concern right now though would be Tyrell Williams who missed the first two days of practice with a foot injury that is huge because really that's their only outside threat and you know you can maybe say Trevor Davis will be able to step up and do something. J.J. Nelson has still been limited in practice. Uh, But if you don't have Tyrell Williams out there, it's going to be really hard, I think, to move the ball. Well, just keeping with injuries, uh, what do you make of uh, Clinton Farrell right now with the concussion and the protocol that he's got to go through? I know he didn't practice uh, earlier this week. So where are we at with Clinton Farrell? Yeah, I think it's not necessarily a good sign either that he missed uh, the first two days of practice um, over there in London. So, boy, and, you know, it's interesting because that's somebody that you need um, in order to really stop the run, I think, against this Bears team. They do run the ball pretty well, and they're going to be playing with a backup quarterback. So I think that that, you know, makes you want to ratchet up the run defense even more because even though I think Adam believes this, it may be addition by subtraction having Chase Daniel instead of Mitchell Trubisky. You're still dealing with the backup quarterback, and when that happens, you tend 
Yeah, you tend to want to run the ball a little bit more. So one hundred percent is addition, addition by subtraction, and <laughs> and you see that at the sports books, who, who I was told adjusted the point a half point in the Bears' favor when learning that Chase Daniel was starting over Mitch Trubisky. Well, on that note, let's take a moment and hear from Todd Dewey, our sports betting columnist here at the Review Journal. He's actually got all the numbers for us for week five, and specifically, he's going to open up talking about the Raiders and the Bears. This is Todd Dewey, sports betting columnist with the Review Journal with a NFL betting update. An avalanche of sharp money showed up late Sunday on the Raiders over the Colts, and it proved to be the wise move as they pulled off the outright upset in Indy. The early money on the Bears-Raiders game in London also has been on Oakland. Chicago is favored by 6-6.5 to in the look-ahead line, but the line came out at 5.5 Sunday night after the Bears beat the Vikings but lost quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. Chase Daniel be starting at quarterback for the Bears in London. The line dipped as low as 4.5 before settling at 5.5, and there are Couple fives around town as of Thursday. The total is 40 and a half and 41. Both teams have been trending under. The Bears have gone under in 10 of their last 11 games and the Raiders in five of their last eight. Looking elsewhere in the NFL, the biggest line move has been on the Saints Bucks game. New Orleans opened as six and a half point favorites in that one, but sharp betters have been all over Tampa Bay and pounded that number down to as low as three and still at three and a half at most spots. Saints squeaked by the Cowboys 12-10 as Teddy Bridgewater plays in place of Drew Brees and Tampa Bay exploded for 55 points in their 55-40 win over the Rams on the road and they've covered four of the last eight meetings versus the Saints who have only covered one of their last six home games. Three double-digit favorites this week in the NFL. Eagles by 14 over the Jets. That number's holding steady. The Chiefs opened as 8.5-point favorites over the Colts on Sunday night football, but that line has climbed to 11 in a rematch of last year's playoff game. The Patriots were 13-point favorites over the Redskins on the look-ahead line. That went to 16 Sunday night, with the Skins falling to 0-4 and a 24-3 loss to the Giants, and the numbers settled to 15.5 around town. A couple other notable line moves in the NFL games this week. Titans have climbed from one point to three point favorites over the Bills. The Bengals open as four and a half point favorites over the Cardinals. That number's down to three. Ravens, four point road favorites over the Steelers. That number's down to three. The Cowboys open as four and a half point home favorites over the Pack, and that number's down to three and a half. That's your update on the NFL week five. Again, that was Todd Dewey, our sports betting columnist here at the Review Journal. You can find all his stuff on ReviewJournal.com if you want to get more in-depth with it or pick it up on the paper. So we have uh, the under there is what uh, people seem to like with this game under 40. So I think with the Bears D and, you know, Chase Daniel coming in for Mitch Trubisky, um, the way this defense rolls, I think that the under makes a lot of sense, Adam. What about you? Well, the Bears will be able to, will be able to score more with Chase Daniel there. I don't <laughs> think there's any question about that. Uh, I, I, would, I would think that the Bears are in a better position uh, in this game. Uh, but I also feel that the Raiders are going to have a very tough time moving the ball. I mean, this Bears defense is is suffocating. They can they can just destroy you. And if the the Raiders are going to be one-dimensional in the fact that they just want to run the ball and throw short passes, I mean, I, I, if you're not going to push the ball downfield against this Bears team, you're going to make it very easy on them 
uh, to just completely shut you down. So I, I don't know that the Raiders are going to score much, especially if Tyrell Williams is in fact out for the game. I mean, we're waiting to find uh, you know that Friday update a little later today as we record this on Thursday. But um, man, that that's that's going to be a very difficult task for the Raiders. I know you know Miles mentioned Trevor Davis earlier. They talked last week about they just haven't had the time to get him up. Uh, to the timing of the passing offense, so maybe they can find ways to get him involved in the running game again and just kind of get him the ball. He seems to be an explosive playmaker, and I think that's something that they certainly need on the offense. But uh, I, I would think the under is the is probably the right direction because the only way the Raiders can really win this is if they keep it very low scoring. They don't let the Bears score and find a way to just get enough to beat them. I don't think they're going to win any shootouts, that's for sure. Miles, earlier you mentioned maybe the tight ends get more involved in the blocking on the offensive line. What do you think this does when you have somebody like Tyrell Williams hobbled, J.J. Nelson hobbled, um, somebody like Trevor Davis who had a breakout week but maybe won't be involved in as many snaps? How do you think um, this might hinder the production of somebody like Darren Waller when you're talking about progressions in the offense? Yeah, well, it's certainly not good. I mean, somebody else has to step up because if you don't have Tyrell Williams, then your only big-time receiving threat is Darren Waller, and that means that you can double-cover him no matter where he lines up. If he's in line as a tight end, he's going to be double-covered. If he's outside as more of a split-out receiver, which he can do, and he can do that pretty well, he's going to be double-covered, and somebody else has to step up and make a play in order for that Chicago defense to not key in on him. And they do such a good job of getting pressure with four guys, and that's in no small part because of Khalil Mack, But when you can do that, that means you can do all kinds of crazy things in coverage to confuse quarterbacks, to keep to to really take guys away who are big weapons. So it means that Hunter Renfro, Trevor Davis, Josh Jacobs, uh, whoever you want to say, Jalen Richard, DeAndre Washington, somebody else has to be able to step up in the passing game because they're going to take Darren Waller away if there's no Tyrell Williams. I, it's going to be very, very hard to get him the ball. So maybe even that's Derek Carrier or Foster Moreau at tight end, right? He uh, Rookie caught a, t- a touchdown pass last week, the first of his career. You're going to need some one of those guys to step up because I can almost guarantee you Darren Waller is not going to have a big game if Tyrell Williams is not out there. Well, here's a question that comes to us from someone here on social media, Darnell at Raider Nation 702. He says, why does Gruden take Jacobs out of the game for such long stretches, sometimes entire drives? It's frustrating to see, particularly when he's being effective. Adam, what do you think the reasoning is behind that? Well, he had, I mean, he had the injury uh, the one week where he lost, or it was more sickness. He had injury and some sickness that he lost 10 pounds. And I think there was uh, some conditioning concerns uh, there in that spot. I know, they hadn't trust him as much in passing situations uh, early in the season. So uh, we saw that start to change a little bit last week. They got him involved in the passing game a little bit, and I think that is a, a huge step forward for his development and what they want to, in, when they want to make him into a three-down back. But they've also got guys uh, in Richard and in Washington who are proven as pass-receiving you know, running backs, and they've, they've done the job before. So I know they're comfortable in, in those roles, Then Gruden's comfortable having him out on the field. Uh, so I, I think that's been part of it. But uh, really, I think the, the the time he might be most referring to is the game where he just wasn't he wasn't fully healthy and he wasn't fully ready to go. And I think they get, got him a, you know, a bunch of rest in that game. 
Yeah, the one after he was sick and lost 10 pounds, as yeah. you mentioned, you had seen an Instagram. Well, Miles, as we kind of wrap things up here, what do you make of this matchup and this specifically what will be the keys to the game for the Raiders to pull off a W in London? I think this is the kind of game that's going to be dirty. You know, you're going to have to slog it out. Two teams with question marks on offense they're going to try to run the ball, both teams, and they're going to try to control the clock, and they're going to try to play really good defense in order to get off the field. Um, so, if the Raiders are to win this game, they're going to have to need a. They're going to need a big day from Josh Jacobs. I, I just, I don't see necessarily see how it happens unless they can control the ball, control the clock with Josh Jacobs, get a few key third down conversions, make this like a 17-13 game, because that's where I think it's going to be in that range. I don't know that either of these teams are going to score many more than 20 points if they even get there. If the Raiders can do that and they're in control of the game, then they'll win. I just tend to think that it's going to be very hard for them to do so because – A, you've got a defense that is terrific. I mean, one of the reasons why Minnesota was even able to get down the field on some of those drives last week against the Bears was because the Bears kept committing penalties. And when the Bears stopped committing penalties, Minnesota basically had nothing. And the other problem is what you could do is try to take a deep shot early in order to maybe take the top off the defense, you know, get them to play a, a guy fewer in the box so that your Josh Jacobs isn't just seeing eight guys and running his head basically into a wall all the time. But I don't know how that's really going to go. I don't know that, the, you know, if, if J.J. Nelson's out there and it's Trevor Davis, how's that going to go? How is the chemistry and the timing going to work between those two guys? And if Tyrell Williams isn't out there, how is that going to go? It just, there are a lot of things that are against the Raiders when you're going up against a defense like the Bears. And even if everybody was healthy, a lot of things would have to go right in order for you to defeat them. So that being said, I mean, if the Raiders can control the ball, can control the clock, can get off the field on defense, get a takeaway or two off of Chase Daniel, then they're going to have a good shot to win. But I, it's going to be really hard. I, I just think that this is going to be an ugly game because these two offenses, and despite how good Matt Nagy is as a schemer and a play caller, I just think it's going to be kind of hard for them to move the ball all that much in terms of just like throwing it bombs away and what have you. Obviously, without Vontez Burfecht, that's a big boon to the Bears' run game, so it means that they could control the ball and control the clock. And if they do that, they maintain control of the game and they get the Raiders down early, this one could get ugly. Raiders' best chance to win is to bring an orthopedic surgeon and, and fix Mitch Trubisky very quickly so he can play. Uh, that oh, would help geez. the Raiders. Uh, but, re- I mean, really, I just I, I don't I don't see what they'll be able to do unless they can get it in a very low-scoring game you know, make sure that they control the clock for, you know, a great portion of the game, establish the run, which is going to be very tough uh, with, you know, going up against the Bears. There's just so many things going poorly for this matchup. But, you know, you you get you make it a low-scoring game, you limit possessions, you don't get too far behind, and maybe you have a chance to get a drive or two together at the end that uh, helps you win the game. So, uh, you know, we talk about some of the keys every week of getting ahead, don't play from behind because that's not really the strength of this team. Um, so they've got to do all those, a lot of those similar things, but they really just they can't let the Bears, you know, get ahead by you know more than a score early, and they can just pin their ears back and, and rush uh, with reckless abandon against the Raiders. That would be a very very bad night uh, for Oakland. But um, yeah, I think that there's a lot they have to do with you know 
establishing the run, keep it low scoring, try to find ways to stop my defense, don't get torched by the run without perfect in there, and um, you know just find a way. I mean that that's kind of uh, what they what they've been able to do in their wins is you know get ahead and just find a way to hold on, and uh, I think that's the recipe that this team will have to follow. Adam, what's the final score? I'm going to say 24 to six Bears. Oof. Miles, I, I think you had said 17-13. Is that accurate? Is that what, you, what you're saying yes, for this one? yeah. Okay. So, uh, but you know what? Actually, I'm going to say 17-10 uh, Bears. I was, I was going to actually go with the 10 on the Raiders, and I'm going to give the Bears 21 because it chased Daniel Adam. You've yeah. talked him up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not saying Trace Daniel's great. I'm just saying Mitch Trubisky's terrible. Yeah, he was not good <laughs> in the decision-making process and going through the progressions on his reads. I, I can admit to that. But, all right. This will be uh, the episode for the preview of the Bears and the Raiders. And the Raiders on a bye week after that. We won't be back in Oakland. The team won't. Until November 3rd when they face the Lions. So we will be back after the Raiders and the Bears game from London with a game recap on Sunday. So you'll want to make sure to download the Vegas Nation app, go to VegasNation.com or ReviewJournal.com backslash podcast to get all of the coverage that we have on that game. Actually, Ed Graney and I will both be at the Raiders fan event on Friday in London. So it'll be like uh, Friday morning early here and we'll bring you some coverage on that later in the day as well. And Vegas Nation is brought to you by STN Sports Mobile Station Casinos. So follow all of us on Twitter at Miles A. Simmons, at Adam Hill LVRJ, and I am at Heidi Fang for everything silver and black. For both Miles and Adam, thank you so much for listening.